At IKEA, your dream home is a blue bag away. No matter the size of your space or budget, we've got everything you need to turn your dreams into reality. And now with new lower prices on hundreds of our most popular products, bringing the dream home is even easier. Like the gray Strandom wing chair, was $369, now $299. And the IKEA Plus 365 nine-piece cookware set was $129.99, now $89.99. And hundreds more. Shop new lower prices at ikea-usa.com today. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. The best of Easter begins with a full honey-baked spread. Mm. It's the thing that brings flavor to all the fun and festivities. The bites that make all your guests grateful that Easter's here a little early this year. Enjoy the sweet and crunchy glaze of honey-baked bone-in half ham, mouth-watering sides, and desserts. Mm. And make this year's Easter the best-tasting one yet. Cheers. Every bite is a celebration with the Honey Baked Ham Company. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase. Good morning, or whenever you're listening to this. I'm saying good morning because, sorry, I'm recording this intro at, it's 5.30 a.m. And um, this is about my fourth attempt at this intro. I keep just spacing out. I'm so tired. Uh, I'm working on like three different things all at the same time. And I'm so tired. (laughs) I have no time. This has been the busiest week I've had in a long time. But there are worse problems to have. I'm working and that's good. And speaking of working, my uh, guest today is working on one of the funniest new TV shows, uh, Angie Tribeca. It's terrific. (laughs) Sorry. Fuck. That's my alarm. <laughs> I actually woke up before my alarm. Uh, Angie tried back on TBS. So goddamn funny. I, I please watch it. It's great. Please watch it because I want them to do more. It's it's so funny. They're d- doing a second season before the. Uh, they started the second season before the first one even finished Uh, that's how good it is folks so please watch andrew tribeca and my guest is andre vermulen who plays dr monica shoals that's right dr (laughs) shoals um she's very funny on the show and she's terrific in real life guys um so yeah i'm gonna stop babbling because i can just babble for a long time because I'm I'm just out of it right now. But Andre was a terrific guest. She's one, she's a, 
my favorite t- type of guest to have on the podcast. She's one that can just talk like she's not one of those one word answer people, which I dread because I'm a horrible interviewer. Uh, she's a great guest. Um, and I am happy to have her on today's podcast. So please enjoy it. Um, I'll be back next week with another great episode and, um, thanks for listening. (laughs) I just want to sleep. Uh, enjoy the podcast. Bye. Another stand up. Rory? Was no. it Rory Scovel? No, I know him. Um, he looks like a lumberjack. <laughs> not Matt Bronger? No. Uh, I look like a lumberjack. I don't look like a lumberjack. I look name? like a fucking. Is this okay over killer. here? Yeah. You just talk. We're already recording, too. Oh, we are? Well, I better be um, careful about what he looks like. I'm sorry if I uh, am off today, too. I had a migraine yesterday. That I was... heard. Well, I saw Allie's tweet. It was so bad. I was I, gonna tell you to just close your eyes. Do you get which migraines? It's funny because you're driving. The I don't. The only time I've ever gotten a migraine was because <clears throat> this is so stupid. But I am like slightly allergic to tyramine, which is naturally found in ripe fruits like spotty bananas, and I had just tried. This fucking weird fruit diet. So I was eating like 10 bananas a day. Oh, I always thought bananas were horrible for you because they're, they're sugary. Good. No, they're good for you. It's like a good sugar because it's a, it's, now we're going into a real. No, this is good. Nutri- there's glycemic I need to learn about nutrition. index. Yep. And then there's glycemic load. So when we hear about just the sugars... I've never heard glycemic load. Yeah, when something's like, oh, it's really high in sugar, they're talking about the glycemic index. But if its index is high and the glycemic load is high, a.k.a. like the density and the fiber of it, you don't have to worry about the sugar because your body breaks it down slowly. So all that sugar is like being very slowly time-released. But if you eat candy... Straight up candy, high glycemic index, low glycemic load, so you get a sugar rush. But if you eat a fruit, like a whole fruit, the glycemic load is really high, all the fiber in the in the fruit, so you're getting the sugar in little tiny time-released amounts. But if you drink just juice, you're not. So when people are like, oh, fruit has too high a sugar, they're not educated on the glycemic I'm so load. uneducated then. Yeah. I've never even heard of glycemic load. I get so load. mad when people are like, I'm cutting fruit because I'm cutting out sugar. I'm like, you need to go read stuff because that's not correct. How did you find all this out? Oh, I was unemployed for a while. So I read like <laughs> everything that you wouldn't have time to read. Like about nutrition, nutrition books? Yeah. And like... Did you read the, the what's the body ecology one? No. Yeah. I should. And I read, like, so now, after so many incarnations of what I would eat and what I wouldn't eat, I don't count calories, and I eat whole foods, and I just eat healthily, and I listen By to whole my foods, you body. Eat I eat the store, the store the whole food. foods. They're getting really mad at me. <laughs> Keep chomping on their doors. I saw a nutritionist once, like, my first, like, real... Uh, not my first real job, but like 
I was working on the Jimmy Kimmel show. Yeah, I've heard of it. Eventually became a writer, but my job for forever was a TV watcher. Like, I just sat in a room and watched TV to look for clips. That's amazing. 12 hours a day, I sat, and there was a kitchen right connected to my office that was always stocked with shit. Like, I ate so many Hot Pockets, and, like, I gained so much weight, and then... When they made me a writer on the show, the first thing I did was hire a nutritionist because I was like, one of the one of the editors had lost a bunch of weight, and I was like, how'd you do it? Yeah. Because they have a kitchen as well, and he's like, I hired this nutritionist. So I hired the same woman, and within two weeks, two weeks, no exercise, just eating proper food and portion sizes, I lost 18 pounds. Oh, my God. In two weeks. And I think I eventually lost, like, 50 pounds. Wow. Um, but she didn't have you doing anything crazy, right? Like no. cutting Like, that's the thing it's that common people, sense. people don't want to hear that it's really just, like, everything in moderation. They want it to be some extreme thing that they can latch on to, yep. like, no carbs or no sugar. And it's, like, if you just live your life in a balanced way... <laughs> everything balances out if you just live as a as a conscious human being it, it's all common sense yeah when you're eating something you know when you're putting in your mouth that this is shitty for you or not yeah like i would never eat fruit going i i think i'm not supposed to eat like you know no. i can eat fruit it's good it's and natural it, it's, it's also bizarre to just in the way that the world and nature presents things. Grapes yeah. grow in bunches. Apples, ton of them on trees. Bananas grow in bunches. Yeah. A cow has one baby. <laughs> We're not supposed to be eating cows like fruit. But they got a bunch of meat on them. <laughs> yeah. Are you a vegetarian? I am. Uh, for how long? Uh, Like four years. I went in and out. I was like, I went from eating meat to hardcore vegan like immediately and then that i I actually tell people not to just do that i think it i think the way most people's minds and lives work it's too extreme yeah and then i went straight back to eating meat again and then i went back to vegan (laughs) and now i'm like i don't like to say what I am exactly. So here's, in a nutshell, I eat vegan like 99.9% of the time. But if there is a special event or like a or if you're on the road. social thing, like I'll eat some cheese or eggs and sometimes a little fish, depending. And I think that's great. Where and do you like, get your proteins from usually? Like beans and Yeah, and nuts. like if I work out, I'll have a protein shake. Um, but... That's a whole other thing. Like the amount of protein that people think they need yeah. is not scientifically correct. And there's a whole book on why certain numbers were declared in the in the FDA and yeah. and they're not based in science. That's yeah. like a whole rabbit hole. If you were unemployed for a while, you could go down it. And Are read you glu- gluten free too? Yeah. And I guess if, if you're vegan, that's you're kind of automatically gluten free, right? Is no, that, no, gluten's like bread and pasta and stuff, oh. which is totally vegan. But I uh, actually need to get it checked because some <laughs> dipshit. <laughs> I went to get tested for celiacs, 
and uh-huh. I didn't know that you have to have gluten uh-huh. in your system for like six weeks for it to show up on the test. And I had already been gluten-free because I already suspected it. So uh-huh. I have a test that says I don't have celiacs, but now I don't know if it's accurate. And the last time I was consistently eating gluten was like four years ago, and it was a disaster. So uh-huh. I'm, I think the fact that I... I'm so scared to eat it for six weeks to test for celiac should just tell me that I have a problem. It's well, just my stomach wrong, is just like ruined when I eat it. Don't try to fix it if things are working. Yeah. It is annoying sometimes. Like I just want regular pizza. Wait, so you ate, I want to go back, you ate a banana, was it a banana that gave you a, a migraine? The tyramine. So I can eat yellow bananas, but I was letting them... Go black. Yeah, Like spotty, spotty which is the best for digestion actually. <laughs> I love that this is we should do a nutrition about. podcast together. I know. I have a lot of opinions. It's just I get actually angry by what is being pushed out there. Mm-hmm. And it's all these fad diets and people just want you to latch onto the next thing yep. and buy their book yep. or do their method. And pill. everyone is lying to you. And it's so frustrating. And then if you have like nutritionists and whatnot who are just like, Eat a little bit of everything. And if you have a good nutritionist, you can go in and be like, I don't want to eat meat. And they're like, great. And they'll still set you up. And even if you're vegan, they'll be like, great. Here's what what you need to do to get enough protein, to get enough carbs. Like your brain runs on carbs. You do need carbs. Mm -hmm. It's so insane to me. And the whole paleo and whatever makes me want to punch everyone. (laughs) It's just everyone wants the easiest possible way to lose weight. Yeah. But they don't care if they then have cancer at 60. They're like, they don't want to think about it. They'll deal it later. And it's just scientific fact that cancer only grows in an acidic environment. And your body cannot be acidic if you have a plant-based diet. It's alkaline. So even the the world health organization has officially declared that meat causes cancer and to yes, make that was recent, yeah. a statement like that in the scientific community is nuts because even a statement like that <laughs> if you're a scientist and it hasn't made a dent either like everyone's still like cool. shit i guess i'm going to have to get cancer yeah but like for let's say smoking for example mm-hmm. The scientific community did declare years and years ago, smoking causes cancer. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge deal because even in that declaration, it's still not true 100% of the time. And that's just the nature of science. For something to be true, there's no definite truth in science. So someone could smoke like a chimney and never get cancer. Oh, yeah. There's a shitload of Japanese people that smoke Well, look at Keith Richards, for example. Yeah, he's a walking skeleton. (laughs) He's just done everything to his body. I don't think he has cancer. He seems to be running on all cylinders. Yet if someone said, if the news came out next week, Keith Richards has lung cancer or liver cancer. No one would be surprised. Yeah, no (laughs) one would be surprised. It would be a bummer, but everyone would be like, that's what happens. Yeah, but for the community, the scientific community to declare something like that, it means that decades and decades and decades of research have come back where 99.9% of the information has all shown the same result. But there's even that point. 1% 1% that they have to be like, but it might not happen. The Keith you Richards know, effect. Keith Richards effect. So um, the point is that's like for them to declare something like that is not to be taken lightly. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I really want. I I went vegan for a while too, and it was because I was writing with somebody, and my writing partner was vegan. Yeah. And we were writing every day together for like three or four months. And I just found it easier to eat what she was eating. Yeah. As opposed to, all right, you order from here, I'll order from here. Right. I We would just, I'd be like, all right, well, this will be good for me anyway. Yeah. It wasn't a conscious like, I don't want to eat animals. It was like, this is just easy. And I lost like 45 fucking pounds. Yeah. I honestly, you know, when I'd seen the nutritionist and lost a lot of weight, I felt good. When I was vegan, I felt superhuman. Like, yeah. my allergies. I don't get sick. I don't have allergies. I my allergies were gone. Chronic sinus infections, one yep. every month. Antibiotics weren't working. Yeah. It was like insane respiratory problems all the time. Yeah. And then I, knock on wood, haven't been sick in like two years. Not even, not the flu or anything? No. Do you get what, a flu shot? I got one this year for the first time. But I, even years before, like, whatever is going around, mm -hmm. I don't get it. And I'll fly, I travel, I don't get it. Do you wash your hands a lot, too? Or are you like, No, I'm really one of those people that's like, you need a little germs. Chewing your fingernails? No, I feel like you need a little germs to, to get an immunity. So, like, I won't always wash my, I don't wash them chronically. I yeah. do wash my hands. But if something falls on the floor, like, I'll probably eat it. <laughs> I I mean, to be honest, I wasn't sick at all this last year. Either. I don't, I don't, I'm a hypochondriac. I constantly yeah. think I'm sick. Yeah. Honestly, I'm, I wasn't sick at all last year. I had the flu last Christmas because I went to someone's um, Christmas party and it was like, people with kids and yeah. so there were kids everywhere and i'm sure that's what got me sick because uh, i hadn't been sick for almost a year before that too but i didn't get sick at all last year i i don't know why i i mean i'm very meticulous with why i'm almost yeah. like ocd but if you watch too much yeah then you can also get sick because you have no immunity yeah you can get those super bugs too yeah you have to um, have like a little bit of germs should I chew on one of these microphone Just like cords lick on the, the floor? microphone. Uh, <laughs> um, but you got a migraine though. Yeah, I think so what that's we're leading the up to is the only time I had ever gotten a migraine, and it was did you throw like up? death. No, I just like couldn't stand up. I didn't know what was happening. I was like, is an alien being born in my brain? Mm -hmm. What is happening? It felt like things were hatching. I've never had such intense pain like that. Mm-hmm. And I shut all the curtains. Yeah, it's and I a laid light down. I had to just lay down, and I drank a lot of water. And eventually, it passed. But that was debilitating. Yeah, I don't know how you drove with. That. I didn't. I usually. I mean, I get. I'll get one migraine a year. It's almost like clockwork. And for me, it's not the headachey part. Like I have a, a dull headache still from it, but like. The headache is never more than dull. It's just very annoying. Yeah. And it affects my speech pattern. So I may be stuttering a You're lot. You're suddenly British. I'm suddenly, <laughs> yeah, Tarzan. Um, but for me, it's more visual. Like, if I'm, I notice it, like, if I'm reading, looking at a book and I start to get a migraine, there'll be a spot on the page that's blurry. Uh huh. And, uh, and, and that's when I know it's starting. And then there'll be a little, tiny pinprick of light 
that is just it's there if I close my eyes, it's there if I open my eyes. Like closing Whoa. the eyes don't doesn't help. And then over Maybe a period it's just God trying to talk to you. He's <laughs> putting his finger in my brain. And over a period of thirty minutes, like clockwork, it has never been more than thirty minutes, that little pinprick of light grows and it and it becomes crescent shape and it's jagged and it's flashing light, like neon, like really bright. And it fills up my whole field of vision to where I can't see. And then it just starts to move to the right and out of my field of vision. And once it's gone out of my field of vision, I'm usually fine. Then it it comes a day of, like, having trouble talking. Are you sure that you're not just being visited by other beings and you're just very (laughs) resistant to it? Yeah. They've been uh, trying to get through to you. I'll show you a photo of what it looks like. I'm sorry to the Wait, how did you get a photo of what it looks like? Well, I've always – you try and – describe to people what it looks like and it's impossible and the closest thing i've oh like that's what it looks like this... did someone create that because they've had the same experience yeah a lot of people get that same i thing. think this is totally an alien encounter really yes like x-files shit yeah like they're really trying to reach you you've been chosen and you're <laughs> resisting it and they keep Reaching out I don't think once I resist a year. It. Once a year, they're like, "Let's try him again." I don't think I resist it because I once it started yesterday, like I was, I had an audition at Sony at like four thirty in the afternoon. Yeah. As soon as I got on the road to come back, that's when it started, and it was just Venice Boulevard was a parking lot, and so I just pulled yeah. over, pulled the hood of my sweatshirt over my eyes, and just sat there in the dark for three hours. Like, Whoa. Because there's also a light sensitivity, which yeah. I mean, you you know, and um, yeah, I just sat there, and I and I also call everybody, you know, everybody I know. I'm like, just to talk me through it, to keep my mind occupied. Yeah. Otherwise, I think <laughs> I'm dying and having an aneurysm. Yeah. I could see that. I'm still here. Once a year, it's once a year, so I think I'm good now for another. Is it year. around the same date? No, but it's about. I'm really trying to turn this into more than it is. I can be like, <laughs> oh. In fact, I had a physical yesterday for uh, a movie. Production makes you get a physical. Yeah. and then uh, which is not thorough at all. No, it's <laughs> – can we talk about that? <laughs> Did you have to get a physical for Angie Tribeca? In the first season, we got a physical. Yeah. And uh, it was just this woman <laughs> yeah. who came. I bet it's the same person. Was she a really tiny woman? She was short. Very, very uh, curt. Mm -hmm. Very borderline rude. Did she come to you or you went to her? She came to us. Oh, wow. She came. So we're in the trailer. And she just asked me a bunch of questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she touched my neck. But I'm like, there's no (laughs) any sort of ailment that I would have. You could not determine by me just talking to you and then you, like, touch my glands. That's like I would just happen to need to have a a glandular. They just ask a lot of questions. They don't do a lot of on-hands experience. Whereas, like, after that, and, okay, now this is incredible to me. So at that time, in season one, Mm -hmm. I had hypothyroidism I didn't know. I've had it for years. I've continuously been like, why do my legs swell up for no reason? When I lived in New York, I had 
prescription compression tights. They look like regular tights. I know tights, exactly but what you're talking about. You need about. like yeah. special gloves to get them on. They squeeze your legs so your legs don't swell out. I don't want to forget about hypothyroidism. I want to come back to that. Well, this is all part of it. These yeah. are the so I had classic symptoms. My face was swollen. My body was swollen. I was lethargic. Did you have a lower body temperature? Did you find that I you were was colder? Freezing yeah. all the time, freezing. But these things are like okay. The swelling is like, well, everyone struggles with their weight. But it also didn't add up because I was working out six days a week. By the way, people are going, <laughs> what the fuck are they going to talk about, Angie? <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? We'll get to it. Fuck them. No, but uh, so, you know, you can make an excuse for everything. Like, oh, I'm freezing all the time. Oh, girls are cold. And then, no, like. No, because I get it, too. I'm tired. So is everybody. So i i couldn't get except for the swelling my legs swelling and it's not even completely so i just worked out and like my jeans are very tight it's like mm -hmm. getting better but my point is i did this physical yeah, i didn't even know you were wearing jeans i thought you just had blue <laughs> legs <laughs> but she didn't know and i had to so i went to a dietitian after season one i was like something is not right man just like some days my pants are so tight <laughs> What is going on? And through the dietitian, I figured out, first of all, the tyramine with the migraines. <laughs> Second yeah. of all, yeah. she's like, I think you should get your thyroid tested. And just to give people a scale, I think numbers are a great way to explain things. Sure. Your thyroid should be between like 1 and 2.5. My thyroid was nine. Oh, my God. It was, God. like, off the charts. What do you do for that? So now I'm on a medication. I've only been on it for a couple months, so it's, like, regulating. It, it dropped from nine to 5.6. Well, side note, I also started doing TM, Transcendental Meditation. Me and too. it dropped my thyroid from nine to 5.6 without medication. Yeah. That's crazy because yeah. it's also a stress-related thing. And then the medication has dropped it from 5.6 to 2.6, and nice. now we're hoping that it drops more. But Do you notice a difference? Do you feel... Oh, my God. Night and day. It's like I have a new lease on life. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's serious. If anyone out there listening is, like, truly trying, like, you are eating right, and you are working out regularly, and you're not losing weight... Just get your thyroid tested. It's probably included in your health insurance. Well, people should just get everything You get tested. a physical. You get a full blood You get workout. like a real physical at your general practitioner. They take blood. Yeah. You ask them to add on TSH. End of story. Have a nice day. If you don't have a thyroid problem, great. <laughs> I think I do, have a thyroid problem. I haven't been checked for it, but. Just go get tested. My normal body temperature, you know, 98.6 is normal. Mine is. 97 like 0. 0.5 or something yeah mine was always under too i don't know what it is now but i was so cold that i would have to get in a bathtub at night just to go to sleep because i couldn't warm up under i would put like a bathtub of water or you would just put blankets in a bathtub <laughs> no of hot water i had to like but that eventually goes cold no, I had to get it really hot. I'd heat up my whole body. Then I'd put my pajamas on and get right into bed. Oh, so okay. you just like raise your body temperature to a crazy degree because I couldn't. I would put all these. If I was already too cold, I put on socks and pajamas and stuff and I would get under all the blankets and I still couldn't warm up and I would never warm up and I couldn't fall asleep, especially right. like my hands and my feet. Right. So I just had to submerge my body in a hot Jesus bathtub, Christ. raise my body temperature, and then I could go to bed. Yeah, I have all sorts of weird 
body temperature regulating problems that I'm sure is related to my thyroid. It's like so I'll get clammy. Crazy. I'll get that, you know, where you sweat, but you also feel like you're freezing cold. Like yes. clammy sweats. Yes. Clammy sweats. Clammy sweat. sweats. But yeah, so now when I watch, now that season one is out, when I see it, I mean, I don't know if other people will notice, but I'm like, holy shit. So I lost 10 pounds just from like swelling and my metabolism not working and my face is more swollen. My body, I on camera, I'm in like. In season one? In season one, I have look... a thyroid problem. And in season two, when that comes out, I don't know. It'll be interesting if people are like, what happened to her? She lost a bunch of weight. It's like, yeah, I was swollen. <laughs> I had the opposite. When we did the first season of Sarah Silverman, I had. That's when I had just seen my uh, nutritionist, so I was yeah. like, "I was like, oh right, this is fucking great timing." And then, you know, two more seasons of craft services, and just like, yeah. hey, "Fuck it, man!" And I was like, "Ugh, I hate watching the show now." Yeah, we have pretty healthy, crafty. Thank goodness, Rashida's super into health things she's also a vegetarian and then so like for our table reads we get cafe gratitude nice yeah so i like that place i hate complain. i hate ordering there but i i really their food really is awesome they've gotten better like they don't make you say like i am grateful you are grateful you know they don't i do went that. there once on a date and i felt so embarrassed going I'll have this, and yeah. I didn't want to say I'll have the I am grateful. It's so hippie. Yeah, well, now the menu, the top of it says I am, mm -hmm. and then the foods are just listed like grateful. grateful, humble, so you can say I'll have grateful, so you don't have to say I am grateful. Yeah. I don't know, but they do still ask you the question, the question of, the day, of the day, and it'll be like, what brings you joy? And... I at first thought that I was supposed to tell them, <laughs> but they just want you to discuss it with your whoever you're with. Oh, I thought the same thing. <laughs> I'm always like, oh, a, a good vacation. Yeah. And like, no, I've never not... been on vacation. That can't be true. It's true. My therapist thinks it's a big problem. You've never just taken a road trip? No. Never. Oh. The one- I can't, what? Every, like, I have gone places- but it's been for a family thing. That's not a vacation. Right. And the only road trip I've taken was to drive to San Francisco Sketchfest. So that was like for a purpose. That wasn't a. Yeah. I wasn't just like I'm gonna take a road trip and I drove by myself. Why don't Why don't you do that? I it gives me I I'm going to when we wrap in a couple. Oh weeks. my god! I can give you so many recommendations for. I have felt so. I felt like I can't take a vacation up until this point. <sighs> This is my first show, and I've had this, like, it would just give me anxiety. Is it a like, financial you, thing? Like, I feel like I need to save my money. Financial, I but also that sense of, like, if I leave town. Something will come up. Something will happen, and that'll be the thing that could have been the thing. That makes me feel like, then, if you do go on a vacation, you won't be able to relax. I think I'll be okay now, but it, uh, yeah, and... Oh my god! Yeah, I am like never... the king of like, the second I start to get freaked out, I drive to Joshua Tree for. Oh, I've never been there. Three or oh. never been there. My oh so my I, <laughs> I told this. To, so I have a I have a new boyfriend. Uh huh. This is also not acceptable to him. So he's like, this coming weekend, he's in Sundance right now. He's like, when I get back, 
we're gonna just take a little road trip yeah. for a few days and i'm like okay i don't i can't plan it i don't know how these things work I don't know how vacations work. <laughs> and then I guess when we wrap, he's like, we should take a vacation when you wrap. And I'm yeah. like, okay, again? Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. You just pick a place and you go? You just pick a place <laughs> that you've always wanted to go. Yeah. And you go there. So strange. And do nothing. Weird. Like, what's your shooting schedule like? Do you guys shoot straight through? We shoot straight through 10 weeks. Well, we had... Season two, which we're shooting now, uh, we started in November. So we did have a holiday break for two weeks. But last year, we shot season one in January. So we had no break, just 10 weeks You straight. shot 10 straight weeks. How yeah. many days you shoot five days an episode? Five days an episode. In season one, I had it real easy. I would shoot like two days a week. Yeah, it's the best. But one. it was a very... You know, if people have watched season one, which is out now, mm -hmm. um, you, it's a, every episode is structured. So Shoals, who I play, Dr. Shoals, is in two scenes an episode. Yeah. First scene gives you the stats of the body, what's going on. Yeah. They go off and investigate a little bit. You come back to the lab. Yeah. That happens in every episode. Yeah. Season two, the rules are out the window. Oh, yeah. Shoals is like, is that me? Oh, it might be. That's fine. Shoals is like in a love triangle. Really? Oh, that's all great. These crazy things. Like, it's really interesting to see, like, if a robot were to fall in love, what would that look like? That's awesome. If a robot. I saw you posted a photo of you and Maya Rudolph. Oh, my childhood friend called me. Who's your child? What's your childhood friend's name? Lauren Cohen. Well, now Lauren Westendorf. She has a little baby. Oh, my God. I'll have to call her back. Congratulations, Lauren. <laughs> um, no, I saw you posted a photo of you and Maya Rudolph. Yes. Who, Maya's one of my oldest friends. I've known her for... Man, is she a nice person. We were in Groundlings classes Very together. Very normal and inclusive and kind mm -hmm. and warm. And I will say, I'm pretty good at not breaking. Mm -hmm. she, she doesn't is so hard for me to keep it straight. So we shot a scene where, you know, she's playing like a uh, mm -hmm. romance novelist, which is so funny, who's also slightly psychic. Mm -hmm. So she is catching all of the, she's like, oh, you're seeing him. And, and you know, she knows what's going on in the love triangle. And we're just trying to do our jobs. And at the end of that scene, she comes up, and whispers in my ear, mm -hmm. and they let her go. Just whatever, yeah. And it was so hard. <laughs> and I didn't want to laugh because I didn't want to ruin the take. Yeah. So I was just like clinging on for dear life. I'm going to show you a photo of me and my 20 She's years ago. so funny. Um, yeah, we, we were at Groundlings together, and we used to do, they do a thing like once a year called the Trash Show, which is a benefit to raise money for the theater, and it's, a midnight show on like a Friday or Saturday night, and it is nothing but politically incorrect sketches. Like, oh yeah, the worst, most vile shit you can think of. And so Maya and I was would always do sketches together, and she would never fucking laugh. And I, we would have to. Some of them were so horrible that we that I would have to get drunk to do. Yeah. Like we did one where she's my blind date. I guess that's the broken one. <laughs> we did Good one. Thing my tea's not on it. 
we did one where she's my blind date and she shows up at the at the door and I'm really excited to go hiking Runyon. Yeah. And she's in a wheelchair. <laughs> and then it's me being an asshole to a girl in a wheelchair. And every one of her answer, or replies to me is so sad and I cannot stop. I have a video of it and like I am laughing the entire time. Yeah. And she is just dead faced. Yeah. She's good at it. She's a pro. Um, yeah, I got to show you I'm this. normally really good at it. I can just click in. But once you do lose it, then it's kind of hard to get it back. Yeah, once I, that's what I was going to ask you also was um, the amount of breaking that must go on. Yeah, there is a lot of breaking, but I think it's me and my twenty. Oh my god, twenty five years, so years ago. There is a lot of breaking, but I think too. It ends up. I think the thing that helps us all is that we are playing everything so seriously that you kind of get in that mode. I was watching again last night, and I was like, "Oh, these people are acting." dramatically we have an especially season two is even drier and a little less silly as far as all the visual gags gags, and our showrunner ira ungleider was like on the first day of season two he was like okay we're going even drier even more serious. I need you all to play this like you are in a drama. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you might not feel funny. And it's kind of like a new thing we're doing. We're taking it even a bump farther than we have done and what has been done. And it might feel weird. And I just need you to trust it. And we're all like, okay. But because we put ourselves in that mode... We tend to break after when the per- your real person can look outside and be can like, this breath, is so yeah. stupid. Yeah. We, we're, of course, I mean, we're 30 minutes in, but we're talking about Angie Tribeca. My, yeah. <laughs> my guest is Andre Vermeulen. I yeah. said it right, right? What is that name? What is it's Vermeulen? so Belgian. It's Belgian. Yeah, it's like a Dutch origin. It used to be Van der Mulen, which means by the windmills. Does, does anyone in your family speak? Is it Dutch or, or well? Or I am legit half Flemish, well Flemish. half Belgian. Mm-hmm. So my family speaks French and Flemish. Your parent? Do your parents? My dad was Belgian. He passed away, oh, but sorry. all of his family is in Belgium. So I have a half sister in Belgium. All of that side of the family. Wow! Is so in very France recently they came in Belgium. Over. Yeah, like my dad and his sister were the first ones. So I'm like, that's why I'm like, I'm legit Belgium. Like, I've gone to Europe every summer to to visit my family. Wow. Most of them don't speak English. I I haven't gone in two years just because it's been crazy, but I used to speak French really well, but it's amazing if you just don't speak for two years. And I also, like, growing up, my dad would allow me to answer in English, which if anyone out there has a kid that you're raising in America and you have a second language, don't let them do that. So I will have more confidence um, listening than responding. Um, But, yeah, so everybody speaks French in the home. And then if you live in Belgium, you pretty much you need to know Flemish. It's the second language. Uh-huh. It's a kind of like a big countrywide. This the country, by the way, is like the side of 
size of Rhode Island. It's so small. And yeah. they're like warring over what the national language is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so all my family is over there. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's very important to me. One of of all the compliments in life, you know, like aside, not career-wise, just as a person, the thing I remember the most and I hold as such a compliment is my freshman year of college, I was very shy and I, I guess I didn't speak very much. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was in the elevator <laughs> and second semester, I'm in the elevator with all these people in the dorm. I guess I said something. And this guy turns around in absolute shock. And he's like... You speak English? Yeah, you speak English? (laughs) And he's like, I for sure thought you were a foreign exchange student. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. (laughs) Because I always feel like I'm not... I'm not honoring my family well enough. Like I'm too American. You definitely have a European look about you. Thank you. Yeah. I it's like I went to school with a lot of people from Sweden and uh, yeah and a very good friend of mine was uh, from Brussels. And, oh um, yeah, it's a great his name place. was Jan Bruferts. Yeah, <laughs> that's such a great name. <laughs> we were at music school together. Jan Bruferts. That's amazing, but yeah, it's important to me, and I feel like I don't know. I just don't. It, when I was little. My dad was so intent on me not being Americanized. So when I was really young, I ate things that little kids here would never eat. (laughs) Yeah, I was just chomping on cigars. You're smoking and drinking red wine. (laughs) But I like, I ate escargot. I would Uh eat, yeah, I would, there is a dish in Belgium that it's like if you took hamburger and put it in a blender and it's just like whipped and it's raw. It's raw. And you spread it I on bread. Start, I might start gagging. <laughs> and I would just eat that. Like, yeah, of course I'll eat this. And I would eat all these, like, I guess weird foods. One of my earliest memories, <laughs> I was eating artichoke, you know, yeah. the leaves, and you dip uh-huh. it in, and you dip it in, like, a, a tarragon, mm-hmm. Dijon olive oil mixture, which is a strong taste for a little kid. And I was eating it, and I remember a family friend being like, you like that? And me being like, yeah. And then when I got to school, I had never seen fruit snacks or hot dogs or macaroni and cheese. like Bologna. Yeah. yeah. And that, I was like, wow. And then my parents had a real problem because now it was also exotic, these foods. So So when did they come to America? My my mom is American. Oh, how did they meet? My parents trained racehorses when I was growing up. Wow. So they met on the track. Um, in Europe or over here? Here, over here. Uh-huh. So when I was really little, uh, my parents lived in New Jersey, and they had uh, <laughs> they were out of Mammoth so racetrack. Belgium to New Jersey. Well, Belgium's the New Jersey of Europe, so it makes sense to me. <laughs> um, so they they their horses were racing at Mammoth Park, which is a racetrack mm-hmm. in New Jersey. Um, and my dad was a trainer and my mom was, she would just help him. So she would do like, they call it a hot walker. So after the horses have trained, right, yeah, you can't just cool put them, them down, in the yeah. stall. They're too hot. They get sick. I don't know. So mm-hmm. you, the hot walker walks them really fast around the track and she humans would, are supposed to do the same yeah. thing, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> don't just like go immediately inside. And my mom would groom 
I can braid amazingly. I learned on a horse tail and horse manes. Like I can do so many braids. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, wow. But horses to me aren't special now. I like girl, like all little girls love horses. I was like, oh God, horses. No animal everywhere. No animal scares me more than a horse. Yeah, well, they're real. not really your friends. I my mom uh, took me and my sister to do horseback riding lessons when I was, I think, ten years old, and they put me up on this horse. And the the trainer put me up on a horse, and he turned to grab something. And as soon as he turned away, the horses started running. Yeah. And I'm ten, and I'd never been on a horse before. I didn't know to pull back on the reins, and it's just. <laughs> sprinting the horse is galloping down yeah. a straight dirt road for probably like half a mile and they're just screaming pull on the reins and i don't know what fucking reins are and i'm yeah. just trying not to fall off and i'm crying oh as soon God. as the horse stops they get me off and i'm like we're we're going home and i've been terrified of horses ever yeah, since that's pretty traumatic they're huge horses could ru- could run the the country. Yes. Like they could take over if horses very powerful. My mom has had some amazing run-ins. Yeah. My mom's a little accident prone. Yeah. So she has a horse named Ben. <laughs> and he's a he's a thoroughbred. He used to be a racehorse. Yeah. And he is just ex racehorses are a little crazy. So one time she was walking him down to the paddock, which is like a field for uh-huh. people who are listening. And um, <laughs> to our stupid listeners, <laughs> <laughs> to those with limited vocabulary. Um, but he spooked at something, yeah. and he um, threw her off. She was riding him, so he threw her off, and she hit her head, and nope. it was down below. So people up at the barn couldn't even see her. And she was out, like out. She told me she saw a bright light. She oh. had like a deep sleep and like she said she's not afraid of death now. Like it was like a near death experience. And she was like slowly falling asleep and she was like going towards the light. And then something in her was like, no, you have to stay awake for Andre. So she came out of it eventually. And then when she came back up, people were like, where have you been? She was out for a long time. Jesus. Side note, she didn't go to the hospital. My mom was crazy. Another time, uh. she didn't want to tell me, but she so she was picking out the horse's hooves and uh-huh. the horse swatted at a fly and kicked her in the face. So <laughs> like her teeth got knocked oh, out. My her God. mouth was cut open. Her whole face was swollen with like a blue purple hematoma like on <laughs> her face. <laughs> and that was another time pretty recently. And when I was I think I was probably like 10, she was taking care of another horse. It was a pretty old horse and picking out the hoof again and you like pick up the horse's hoof and you there's a certain way that you do it. Yeah. And when you're in the back your shoulder, the horse's butt is kind of like hovering above your shoulder. And this old horse decided to sit down and he sat on her and snapped her clavicle. Oh my God. <laughs> she had to have like. Does she still work with horses? Yes. Jesus. So she Christ. had to have all these screws and plates in her clavicle and they had to take a bone from her hip. It's just like never ending. My dad, though, m- more prestigious in his training and whatnot. He's, like, never been hurt. He was, like, the horse whisperer. But he also, like... He was, like, a proper... Tra- Did he break horses, too? Yes. With, like, wild mm-hmm. horses? And- yeah, he wow. was, like, for 
like that movie, The Horse Whisperer, is a great example of like what my dad was like. That's and cool. he also was just so agile. When he was younger, he would do like handstands on skateboards and stuff. Jesus, he was just like he could climb anything. Like he just never got hurt. Um, was he just one of those European studs that your mom was like? Oh, oh. yeah. Well, the first time he they met. He had slept with her roommate, and he was in the apartment in the morning, and he saw my mom in the morning and decided, oh, no, I like her. I like her. And then my mom was like, get out of here. So he had a one-night stand with her roommate, and then he aggressively pursued my mom for so long, and she was like, you're out of your mind. Uh-huh. I'm not going to be with you. He you broke know? her like a horse. Yeah, so she finally gave in. He's the human so whisperer. Wait, so was he over did he meet her cuz he was over here working with horses? Yeah, so they were both working with horses, but then the first time they actually crossed paths was like in the morning Weird. after That's sleeping so funny. with her roommate. That's so, so funny. Nuts. Um yeah, I remember I I think that same year that I had that issue with that horse my parents had sent me to summer camp and it was like a cowboy camp where the kids sleep in covered wagons. And you get your own horse for the oh. week, and uh, that sounds. And fun. I don't, I don't think I even got on a horse, but they gave me a horse that I just remember was always foaming at the mouth. You yeah. know, they'd put the the bridle in the mouth, yeah, and it would they just put the bit in the mouth, and then they like chew grass or something. It gets all yeah, foamy. super foamy to the point. And they let us name our horses, and everyone was like Pinto and Scout, and I named my horse FOMO. <laughs> FOMO. <laughs> oh my god. And I, I don't think I ever rode on him because I was still afraid. Oh, my God. That happens. My first, one of my very earliest memories is terrible. So my dad, there was a racehorse that had broken his leg. And normally you have to put the horse down. But mm-hmm. my mom, my mom has like legit healer type qualities with animals. And she was like, I can rehabilitate him. I know I can. And also on the racetrack, like, it just costs a lot to keep everything running. So you don't want to have a horse with a broken leg. Long story short, she does rehabilitate this horse. And it's the first time that this horse is going to be trained after recovering. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a terrible, sad story. But my there's, like, a shank, which is like a metal chain that if a horse is kind of being wild you put it through the halter over the nose like a muzzle yeah so like when they're training it just gives a little extra tension and it kind of reins them in more Mm -hmm. and my mom was like don't put that on him he'll freak out and my dad didn't listen and he always listened pretty much like if she she's not like she was telling him what to do all the time but if she did really have something to say Mm -hmm. he listened to her and Mm -hmm. this is like the one time he didn't listen and she really knew this horse so he puts the shank on anyway the horse immediately freaks out rears up so uncontrollably that then he flips over backwards and he slams down on the ground so hard that his skull fractured open and he died. Oh my God. Instantly. Now I. Not where I was expecting this story to go. <laughs> I am like three or four. The horse, I'm standing on the other side of the fence. You were there when it happened. Yes, my dad is in Jesus the paddock Christ. with the horse. 
I'm standing on the other side of the fence with my mom. The horse lands like right at our feet. So I see this thing hit. I will never forget. It's like burned in my memory, one of my first memories. And the horse is on the ground. And I just remember its nostrils were really breathing hard. And then blood came out of his ears. Oh, my God. And my mom was like upset my mom's crying but then she's trying to take care of me and she's like come on we have to go we have to go but i was like but he's still breathing and oh she was like jesus trying to explain to me that like no he's done he's dead i don't know if, if the body was just like getting rid of the air system yeah. i don't know or he was dying i don't know but that's like my first memory fucking hell <laughs> no wonder you're an actress right? <laughs> i might first memory as far as i can recall is uh being on the beach with my mother uh in catalina where's that catalina island off the coast of la okay and um we're sitting on a blanket on the beach and my mom was reading and i was just playing in the sand or whatever little kids do and my mom drink only drinks pepsi she hates coke she always has a pepsi so there's a Pepsi sitting in the sand next to her, and she's reading. And I remember seeing a bee, bumblebee, land on the Pepsi can, and just I remember watching it crawl around the top, and then crawl inside the can. Oh my god! And then my mom picks up the no. can. <laughs> and here's how young I was. I couldn't tell her. Yeah. I couldn't even speak. That's oh, how young wow. I am. I re- I was like, I just remember watching my mom drink the can, drink the can. And then spit and just start yelling. And then uh, she had to go over to the lifeguard who, like, I think tweezed out the stinger out of her tongue. It's, Whoa. It fucking stung her on the tongue. And Were you, like, 18 months old? Probably. And I remember uh, a couple years ago I, I was sitting with my mother somewhere and I, I said, hey, do you remember uh, when we were on the beach in Catalina and a bee stung your tongue? My mom was like... How do you remember that? You were a baby. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's like, I think that's my first memory. Wow. You're like Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter? <laughs> Did his mom get stung by a bee? Well, I think the reason my brain just went there is not really based in fact as far as the story goes. But remember in the movies that Harry Potter, there are all those flashbacks and Harry Potter's a baby and when Voldemort came in and killed his parents and he's crying in the crib, like, that's you. <laughs> so that B represents Voldemort. Yeah. Oh. Um, Jeff Tate is the other person who was on the Doug Loves Movies podcast who I couldn't think wow, of. Wow, that's amazing. That you, wow. I would have forgotten. I it was came to me. That, I'm once I got to my 40s. If I don't follow through on a thought, it's done. Like the thing with Maya, where I had to show you that picture. I'm like, if I don't do this right now, I'm gonna forget it. If someone it asks me to, to do me a later. show, if someone's like, hey, I, I do this show, it's at this place. Can you do it on the 30th? Yeah. If I don't write it down, if I tell them yes and don't write it down, I will. I will not remember. Even with the TM, that doesn't help you? Well, I've only been doing that about a month. Oh, it will a month start and a half. to help. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you lo- what made you start doing it? Well, 
Pete was talking about it all the time. Yes. Pete Holmes. Yep. And I was like, what is TM? What are they talking about? Yes. And then I had heard about it outside of him like a few times and people, and you know, Jerry Seinfeld. And uh, and I was like, I'm going to look into this. Then they had a sale. They had like a special. It's very expensive. And it's yeah. right down the street from me, that one of their centers. So I was like, you know what? And I had time. So I was like, let's just do it. I also... Uh, the whole thyroid thing. It was like a lot of things were happening. I was like, I need to just let me Relax. just try this. And I had been trying other types of meditation and they weren't really working for me. And I'll never forget that like the first session, I felt such a deep yeah. relaxation. I felt like uh, I was sleeping awake. I, I felt described high. it like a, I felt like my body was a, like a bag of water. Mm-hmm. And I had never had that experience. Now mm-hmm. that I've been doing it for like seven, eight months. It's not as amazing to me anymore. But I do notice the things I immediately But you noticed. have times where it's like that. And there are yeah. times where you're so in your head when it's happening that you you finish, yeah. you're like, times oh, I, that's what it was. And, yeah, I think a ton sometimes. And yeah. then if I'm really tired, I'll feel more of that like sleepy and your body kind of is catching up on what it needs. Um, but things I immediately noticed were First of all, the thyroid number dropping drastically without any meds. Mm -hmm. Secondly, um, more energy. Also, weirdly, my shots on the basketball court, much better. Yeah. Strange. Well, I think, uh, um, oh, God, what the fuck is his name? He's the coach of the Lakers. Um, Yeah. I don't know his name. Who was formerly with the Bulls. I'm not a big sports person, but when he, Phil Jackson. Okay. He's very into That's funny, meditation. A Phil Jackson in our community. Yeah, he's very into meditation and philosophy. And when he started coaching the Lakers, I I believe he made all of them start meditating. Yeah, it's weird. All my shots just started going in. And there were some other things. I feel like I slept better. There were some like just immediate changes. Yeah. I've always been a pretty chill I do sleep better. person and very understanding and compassionate, but I think it's just bumped it up a level. Like the other day I went to, uh, I also see a healer now, mm-hmm. which is a whole other can of worms, mm-hmm. but I went to park in her neighborhood and it was street parking. So I was looking for, and I went down the street and there was a spot and I don't know what's happening with the sound systems in cars these days, but it does sound much louder. Like, if you ever heard oh someone on a Bluetooth call, it's yes. so loud. You can hear them from your car, yeah. So I had on, uh, it was like a soft ballad. I think it was some, I think it was like Aretha Franklin or something, but not like a, oh my God, it's yeah, yeah. No, it was like a soft ballad. Wasn't that loud. I parked, and by the time I got into the parking spot, Suddenly, there was a woman at my window and scared me. And I was like, uh, and she's gesturing to roll down the window. So I'm like, just crack it. And I'm like, yes. And she's like, I'm sorry, just that's my bedroom. And just your music's really loud. And just, you know, it's just my bedroom. Like, could you just turn it down? And I was like, it was two seconds. And I was like, okay, I am getting out of the car. And she was like, I'm just, it's just my bedroom. It's just your music's really loud. Yeah, and like walks off. And in the past, I might have been, yep. I might have said something snarky back at her. Mm-hmm. I smiled warmly and I was like, I'm getting out of the car. Mm-hmm. Like all is well. Mm-hmm. 
And when I got out of the car, instead of being like, what is her problem? Blah, 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 I was, I just felt so bad for her. Like, what is, <laughs> yeah, what, what is happening in your life like, yeah. if you're so reactive that you are outside my window within two seconds? Yeah. That's so reactive. Whenever someone is that level, I'm like, what is happening in your life? It's something deeper than I feel than bad the noise. for you. This yeah. has nothing to do with my car. Nope. Yeah. What I, did I've, your mom say to you this morning? <laughs> I found – I used to get really agitated. I'm like the most mellow, low-key person. I don't – you know, when I have a girlfriend, we never – I'm not one of those guys that, like, we yell with their girlfriend. Yeah, I like don't yell. I, We never – I'm just really mellow and laid back. But – I get in a car and I become just like, what the fuck is this asshole doing? Yeah. Turn, you motherfucker. Uh, since starting meditation, I don't. I'm yeah. just like, oh. And it's not to say we shouldn't express anger. When I went to this healer, she told me I have a ball of rage in my pelvis. Oh. Because I, <laughs> I like. Oh, that's where that went. <laughs> so women tend to hold it in our pelvic region, which is why your hips get so tight and stuff. But. It was crazy that first time. So you're like laying on a table and she asked permission to connect with your energy and stuff. And I have my eyes closed. I can't see what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't just say you have a ball of rage in your pelvis. She's like, when's the last time you've expressed anger? And I just laughed. I was like, oh, yeah, that's not I don't really do that. It's not an emotion I have. <laughs> she was like, yeah. So there's she said it's like a. It was like a ball of like red rage cloaked in a blanket of black. Jesus. And then like my kind of like my life fire, my life energy was on top of it. It was like kind of dim, my life fire, when it should be like really burning bright. Mm. And she asked me to ask my body where it needed attention. And listen, this is the first time I'm there. I'm like, you got to drink the Kool-Aid. But my yes, logical yeah, yeah. brain is going like, this is ridiculous. Ask my body. Yeah. And I had to ask my body out loud, which is even weirder. So I had to be like, where do you need attention today? And I'm, you know, but I'm just trying to be on board and I'm just trying to get into it. And my thighs, I felt a sensation in my thighs. And I was like, I don't know. Like, it feels like my thighs and... And she was like, that's when she told me the, you know, whatever that makes sense because it's attached to your hips and it literally holds you up. And yeah. um, she released a little bit of it. And I, my eyes are closed, so I can't see when she does this. And an overwhelming surge of emotion came up. I'm like crying. crying hysterically. My, yeah. my instinct is to shut my mouth and hold my breath and push it down. And she's like, breathe. I'm like trying to breathe. And it was nuts. And then she released it out my head. And then I felt so dizzy and lightheaded. And it was just so nuts. And then she asked me one of the craziest things for me. She was like. You want to go out? Yeah. <laughs> she was like, do you ever feel like your feet aren't on the ground? And I was like, oh, my God. I've been saying this to people for years. Everyone thinks I'm just like high or something. But I've been like, isn't it so weird how we don't even think about our feet or like, and we just like get from one place or we just walk. Like your brain is like, I'm going to go over there. And your feet are like, -loo -loo -loo. like I have felt a complete disconnect from my, like my torso and my legs. My legs feel like little jets in like, I'm just, like, floating around. Yeah. 
and I trip a lot. It's just like, so she was telling me like, yeah, my energy is kind of hovering off the ground. I'm not grounded. I'm not planted in the ground. And so I've been going to her for a while and it's a weird, it's a definite difference. Now my feet are on the ground. You can feel them. Yeah, I feel like weight in my feet. Like normally when I would stand, I almost don't feel steady. I don't feel a weight in my feet in the past. Now, like, my feet feel grounded. I feel a weight. I feel attached to the earth. But it's so nuts. Like, you're... And it's just, like, in very... Like, in layman's terms, it's like, you know how you can stress yourself out so much you get an ulcer? Like, what we feel does affect our body, and we store it in different places. And when you're having stress and things, and you don't deal with them, you store that somewhere. Yeah. Even if, like... Your shoulders get tight or something. Yeah, I get it in my neck and my shoulders. Yeah, and that's like an energy that's being stored. So a healer basically just releases that stuff, and it's a huge difference. It's so crazy. But I still sometimes I'm like, I'll even now, even with all the great experience, I'll sometimes be lying there and I'm like, this is such bullshit, you know? But it's not. I, yeah, I I should I actually I should get my meditation teacher to come in here. I, I should have him on my podcast because. I mean, if you would have told me in my 20s and even 30s that I would be meditating someday, I'd be like, nope, that's yeah. ridiculous. And I've never been, you know, a religious or even spiritual person. Um, but I'm, I feel so much more connected to everything since I, and I've only been doing it for a couple months. Yeah. And um, yeah, like you said, with that woman, you felt sorry for, her. like, I don't like it ma- as mad at people anymore because yeah. I'm like, I made up the exact same shit that that person has made up. Like, if you believe in a God or the Big Bang, whatever, we all came out of the same exact thing, which means we're all connected. Even I'm connected to this, you know, the the floor and the ceiling and everything. And I feel that more, you know, when dealing with people. I'm a lot more tolerant. And I think through, I'm super compassionate, and I think that's come in life. I haven't always been that way, and I think... It's important for people to work on that, but through therapy and now meditation, and even before I started meditating, I was reading a lot of Buddhist things, Mm -hmm. and it's interesting. I just recently, you know, there's been a, um, there's been a kind of a, a lot of stuff happening in the comedy community with, you know, male abusers and whatnot, and I said to a female friend of mine in the community, and it was not received well, you know, I said, I feel like people need to be accountable for their actions. Uh-huh. And sure, punished if it fits the crime, you know, if someone rapes someone or something. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's also important for us to have compassion, even for the abuser, because what we often don't realize is that every behavior is learned. So someone abused him or her, whoever the abuser is, as well. And if we have compassion for people, we can start to have a society that also is not... America, in general, is so focused on punishment but not rehabilitation and certainly not mental health. So if we want to truly end these cycles of abuse, we have to have compassion even for the abuser, which is hard if you are the abused, Uh but... And if you are the abused, I mean, maybe you don't have to have direct compassion for the person who abused you right away. But 
um, I was talking about this with my therapist because I was talking about this with another friend and she was like, didn't agree with me and people got angry with me for even saying such a thing. Mm-hmm. And I actually grew up after my, my parents got divorced when I was seven and my mom had a domestically abusive boyfriend for about four or five years of my life mm-hmm. and kind of in my, I was probably like 11 to 15 or 16. So like a really fragile time as well. And this guy was like, this was intense rage almost every night. We you had to remember mo- it. Yes. Yeah. We had to move houses all the time. He broke everything. I could never have friends over. He would hit my mom. I would spend the night with my finger. When it would start up at night, I would sit in my room with my fingers on nine and one just wow. waiting because the cops don't care if you break shit and you scream. But Must if you hit someone. Contact, yeah. So I could mm. hear the difference between stuff breaking and like people breaking. And I would just be waiting. Did you ever call? Oh, yeah. I called all the time. Jesus. Um, but it's difficult to prove. And if my mom wouldn't say that he did it, then they can't do anything and blah, blah, blah. So my point is. I also am, I've come up through this and a a friend of mine was like, maybe you have like a block because of this. So I talked about it with my therapist and she's like, no, you don't have a block. Like I've worked through all that stuff. She was like, you just have a very controversial opinion. And weirdly enough, the state of New York, the, the prohibitions division has taken on the same idea. And they were like, we have to do a more progressive kind of plan to try and heal and stop this from happening in the future because if you just put an abusive person in jail or you punish them however and you don't rehabilitate that person they're going to perpetuate that behavior teach it to the next person the next person does it and they do these programs where they sit the abuser and the abusee in the same room in a circle all these people and the abusers have to share their history of being abused. So we now have compassion for everybody. And the ultimate end goal is that the abusee forgives the abuser. And it's like a very intense. uh, Yeah, Yeah. but so very long story short, it's just interesting. But I don't think I would have that point of view if I hadn't first of all, worked on myself so much, second of all, forgiven the people who have abused me in life, and thirdly, meditation and everything really does teach you compassion. And, like, if somebody, God forbid, raped me tomorrow, that would be terrible. Mm. But I also, honestly, one of my first thoughts would be, like, what is happening with that person that they did that to me? You know? Mm -hmm. This is a very uh, took it to a dark. Place. No, no. I mean, it, well, it's relevant. It's something that's you know been it's circulating like that kid a lot who lately. just shot. Who? What was the name of the kid who went into that black church and then and like worshipped with them and then shot them all? Yeah. One of the things that I noticed from that story, other than the horrifics of it, was that that congregation of people prayed for him. Mm-hmm. And it's the same idea. They saw him and like, what is happening in this kid's life that is so monstrous that you could come in and and connect with us on a human level and then act violently? 
what is happening and what has been done to you in your life. Yeah. Because that's a level that is like, that is so beyond human nature. What is happening in your life? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm all for rehabilitation. I, f- I would find it very hard to forgive somebody who did that, but I would also want that person to be rehabilitated so they didn't yeah. do it again. Um, and, of course, it's easier for me. They He didn't shoot my dad. Yeah. If he shot my dad, I think I'd have a hard time. And I will say even my mom's abusive boyfriend, I do have more trouble forgiving him and having compassion for him so i think when it you are directly connected to it of course it's so much Mm -hmm. harder it's much easier as a person on the outside being like we need to forgive people yeah but i don't hate that guy as much as i did when i was a kid or even as a teenager when he finally did leave well we also need to preventatively take care of it you know if you can get to these people at a younger age you know i my my teacher was like you know it takes me a week or two to teach someone to meditate an adult to meditate properly or whatever he goes yeah i can teach uh an 11 year old kid to meditate in half an hour right you know because they're just more open yeah yeah there are kids who are in the tm thing when I was in my I wish I would have started doing meditation I do Vedic meditation which is yeah it's basically TM without the name and the price tag right you know I do it twice a day 20 minutes I've heard of this um, do they give you a mantra mm-hmm. so it is the same thing it's yeah it's TM but it Weird. didn't cost me <laughs> a lot of money my I've had like a friend will be like I, I want you to teach me that meditation I'm like Oh, I can't teach you. Part of me is like, I guess I, I mean, I feel like I could, but I just won't because I'm not supposed to. But I don't know, in in Vedic, is that also a thing like you're not allowed to teach anyone else and you're not allowed to say your mantra? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I won't, I mean, I don't even say my mantra out loud. It's it's all internal when I meditate, you know, I'm, I'm doing it, it's onomatopoetic, I'm doing it in my head. Right. And, and you also eventually want to kind of lose the mantra while you're meditating so there's nothing but um yeah i i wouldn't want to tell someone how to do it because i feel like i'd fuck something up like you should have a proper teacher who you know yeah because i love just listening to it explained to me i was Mm -hmm. fascinated by it where did you go to learn the vedic i had a teacher uh named teo burkhart um who learned from, you know, one of the guys who his his master or whatever learned from like the Maharishi. Yeah. And um yeah, it, and it was weird, you know. I and I'd been avoiding it for a long time, but I have a lot of friends who studied Nate Cordry studied with him, yeah. Ali Ward and um but um I had a friend, my friend Stephanie who got me into it and she's cuz you know, my dad died this past year and I oh, was in a super dark depressed place and I was like not sleeping and um just being really harmful to myself and so she's like you should really try this and um and so I was I called him and I I was like well I'll I'll have a conversation with him over the phone I was like and it really put me at ease and I was like all right I'll try this and and then uh they're like okay for the first 
your induction ceremony or initiation, whatever. He's like, you got to bring like yeah, fruit or whatever. That's what I had to do. And I won't go too into it, but like the, fruit and flowers. Yeah, the the initiation. I was like, and my friend was like, you're gonna want to laugh. Yeah. And I was just like, oh shit, I'm gonna I'm gonna be laughing my ass off. And um, but then when it happened, because it really is weird. It's like a very hippy dippy thing that happens, yeah. and um. I was actually crying. And, I cried too. And when I, almost every time I meditate now, I don't cry, but like my eyes water. Like when I meditate, my eyes, like when I come out of it, I open my eyes and my eyes are just drenched. Like yeah. every time, just I don't I know what that is. I think that'll happen for a while. I had a surge of emotion when I first started. Now I don't have it as much, but I was like, and even not meditating, just walking around, I felt like all my feelings were on the surface. I, I, had also recently gone through a breakup and I was just uh-huh. like so I think I it was just like everything was there to yeah. bubble up. Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't really happen to me now, but it is I think also if your dad has passed recently that's something that you don't really get over. Yeah. I still my dad passed away in two thousand six and I still can't believe it. And sometimes I feel like he's just like on a trip or something where I just haven't heard from him. Yeah. And like even so the show just came out and this is like my first big thing. I've been on shows as guest stars and mm-hmm. but I've never been a series regular on a show and it's finally out. I also had to wait two years for it. It's been such a long time. And it's kinda like my first big career thing and I was like of course really happy and then on the day of the premiere, I was so depressed and I was so sad and I got over it. We had to go do that live stream telecast thing. And then I was like, okay, a day later, I was still feeling kind of weird. And then just the other day, I was walking my dog and I think I figured it out. And I was suddenly like, just came to me that I was just so sad that my dad isn't here to see this and like everybody's like oh he's with you and like I get that and of course I understand I believe it but just not the same and I'm walking my dog on Los Feliz Boulevard and I just start hysterically crying like harder than I've cried in such a long time making me cry and I'm just like walking and crying so hard and it just like didn't end for so long like the rest of the day like if I uh, mentioned it to my mom if I mentioned it to a friend I just like start hysterically crying and I think you just have to let yourself do it but it's like it's not ever gonna be just you're not gonna get over it I don't think you're supposed to it'll get better and then sometimes I feel like every major life moment is and I feel like probably for everyone who's lost a parent especially too young it's gonna be like I'm just prepared now for like oh I'm so happy this thing happened and then a massive dip of sadness that this person isn't here and like and everyone's like oh he's with you and whatever else and I understand that and it's probably something that I would say to someone else but it's it is hard for me even though I theoretically believe that and 
but it's harder for me for some reason to tap into that. And people have been like, just ask him to be with you. And I feel like, no. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, and in the very beginning, he did do some things that were crazy that I'm like, okay, for sure, I believe in ghosts and whatnot. Like, he would burn out all the light bulbs. He did it to my stepmom. He did it to me. And, like, burn them out in such a way that it's like there's no way the light bulbs all just happen to go out at the same time. And, like, one time I was talking to my mom and I was like, I just really wish my dad was here right now to talk about this with. And the light, I was sitting in my living room and the light on the ceiling fixture went brighter, brighter, dim, burnt out. And I was like, oh, my God. It's just, like, really crazy things. So, in theory, sure, I understand that he is with me or he could be with me or whatever else. But in that moment, it's just, like, it's not the same. No, I would love a sign that he was still with me because I'm like, I don't feel it. And it, I mean, there was weird things, you know, when he was dying, like he would hallucinate and like just be looking right past me and talking to somebody, which was really, I think normally that something like that would just send a chill up my spine. But it was it, when it was happening, I was just more fascinated by like, what the fuck is he seeing? Like, yeah, who's Do you he have talking cancer? No, he went into congestive heart failure and oh. pneumonia, but it, it all started with uh, osteoarthritis in his knee that, okay. you know, he was 85, he just couldn't oh, okay. recover from, and so he spent a year in the hospital, and yeah, I mean, 85 is not bad, but... Yeah, my dad yeah. is 62, he had Ugh. cancer. He, had, he was walking around with 13 brain tumors and didn't know it. <sighs> So he fell off a horse, and like I've already said, that doesn't happen. Yeah. So we all were like, what the fuck? He fell off a horse. And then he thought he had a concussion or something because there was all this whooshing in his ears. So they did a CAT scan, and they were like, oh, my God. And there was also a tumor near his lung, and it had it had gone up through the blood system and kept depositing more tumors in his brain. And he battled it for a long time and he got better and and he was really fucking stubborn he was like a stubborn frenchman he seemed more like a he side note too difficult to explain but he always said he was french not belgian the whole culture thing that's just like okay um and he uh but in the end he went into a coma and i had been going up every weekend i was living in new york and he he hadn't told his family in europe that he had cancer and he kept thinking he was going to get better and battle it and then so he hadn't been over there in a few years and he kept telling them like oh yeah I fell off the horse and I hurt my back I can't fly the pressure hurts my back whatever so it got to a point where he was like he tried to test drug and it didn't work his body had an allergic reaction and then the cancer really doubled up and then he was like emaciated and he was sitting and he would be talking and then go he would just go away for a minute Mm -hmm. And then he would come back, and that was so scary. And I was like, okay, I need to tell his family. So I called my aunt, and my aunt and my cousin came over, and they were shocked, of course. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult to think your brother is fine, and then he's, like, on death's door. And they still hadn't told my grandmother. So then after they left, and he was furious with me for telling them. It's, like, the only fight I've ever had with my dad in my life. Mm -hmm. And he really pulled... He was, like, trying to be tough, and he really was, like, walking around and stuff when they were there. And then they left, and he just went downhill, and he went into a coma. So I came back up. 
I had just left and um, then I was like really upset because I was like he doesn't even know that I'm here but the nurses have said like you know they can hear you whatever else and I was giving him we had to give him morphine so you had someone had to do it through the night there was a, like a little syringe you put it in his mouth and I in the middle of the night I was like I'll do tonight and he hadn't opened his eyes yet and I'm in the night I'm trying to put the syringe like in his mouth and he's clenching his teeth and I'm getting annoyed I'm like what the fuck and I finally I look at his eyes and they were open and he was smiling with his eyes and I was just like hi and then he was gone again and I was like okay but at least I knew that he knew that I was there and then a couple days had passed and the hospice nurse kept being like this is the last day this is the last day this is the last but he was clinging on almost to a ridiculous degree and I was like I think he won't let go because his mom doesn't know so I just had that instinct and I called Europe I put the phone up to his ear and she talked I told her you know he can't talk back to you but he can hear you and she talked to him she told him that she loves him she told him it's okay to go I hung up the phone and he died and it was like, okay, first of all, that was right. I'm glad I did that. But then then I was like, can't believe it. Just like died in front of me, very peaceful. But it was like, oh. And I ran out of the house. And weird, like you're when you're in trauma, your brain is not working. So I was like, I need to go out to the barn to call on that phone. Now I need to call Europe back and tell them that he's passed away. But that phone has the long distance. So I'll go out there to save everybody $3, which is so stupid. So I go to run out and there's like a wooden fence and it has a latch. It doesn't just open ever. You have to physically undo the latch. And I'm running out to the barn, and there's suddenly a massive gust of wind, and the gate just blows open, mm-hmm. which I was like, okay. It doesn't it doesn't open on its own. Also, where's this wind coming from? So I was like, that was for sure my dad. And I called the barn, whatever. And then it took a little while, but the light bulb stuff, like I was really upset. I was like, why isn't he with me? All this other kind of stuff, and I... You know, I I was living in New York at the time, and I would. This is really weird too. I just remembered another thing happened. I was in a bad relationship, and I wanted to break up with that person. I didn't know what to do. My dad had also just recently died. It was just too much for me. And I'm running through Central Park, and I just started hysterically crying. And I remember like screaming to the sky, but talking to my dad, and I was like, "Dad, just tell me what to do." which is dumb and about a boy, but whatever. And I went to sleep, and I have my dad's guitar. And the next morning, I woke up, and the guitar, the the piece that the strings are attached to that's glued to the face, mm-hmm. I don't know what that's called. Bridge. Like, the bridge was ripped off of the guitar. The guitar is fine. I take care of the guitar. I keep it tuned, whatever just ripped off and I was like in the moment I was like weird and I was like I feel like he did this to the guitar what does that mean it's broken 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 break break up break up <laughs> and I broke up with that boyfriend which nice. was a good move nice and then I took it to Chelsea guitar and I was like a ghost did this right 
And they were like, no, probably just too dry. And the the wood cracked. And I was like, nah, ghost did it. Ghost dad. Ghost dad broke the guitar. Jesus. But I still think he broke the guitar. He for sure burned out the light bulbs. And just recently I was home for Christmas with my stepmom and we were talking about burning out the light bulbs. And my stepsister didn't know about that. And then I left... And the next day, they both text me at the same time that they were standing in the hallway, and the lights, like, flickered and went up and down. Wow. And I was like, oh, he's doing it for you. Ugh. It's crazy. Well, I've been sitting here for 15 minutes fucking crying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dad, I would love a sign if you could uh, dim my lights at some point or something. Um, I feel like you should, like, go home and meditate, and when you come out of it, genuinely ask him for some sort of sign that like you cannot mistake for like oh the the heater made a strange noise like no <laughs> it's not like and I ask for that and all of a sudden there's a knock at like, the door and it's the ghost of my father I'm like, eh. like there probably would be something between the two of you that if he did something you'd be like like my dad in particular was really weird about lights like, if he were going to bed before me, he would over-explain where every single outlet was and wow. how to turn it off. And I was like, Dad? He'd be like, uh, this one has a dimmer. You have to put it down. And I was like, Dad, I understand how lights work. I also know where they are in the house. You've lived in this house for 10 years. <laughs> were you the only one there when he passed away? No, were there you? was a room full of people. Everyone I was, was very annoyed. I mean, it's great. He was loved. Everyone wanted to be around him. But I, in that moment when he actually passed away, I was like, and who the fuck are all these people? Mm -hmm. I just wanted it to be private. And they were close friends, and that's fine. But, like, when someone's dying, too, the definition of close friends gets broader. Everyone cares more suddenly. Yeah, when my dad was dying, like, the day before we were – the day before – he died was the day we thought he was going to die. So we were all there, my sister and my brother and my mom and I. And the nurses kept coming in. And I was just like, get them the fuck out of here. Yeah. I don't want anyone else in here when he passes away. Yeah. I you wish know. it could have just been me and my stepmom. But it was like, and I don't, I'm an only child ex- except for my half-sister in Europe. But mm-hmm. yeah, there were like all these just like family acquaintances. And I'm like. He didn't even like you. Get out of here. You know? Get out of you here, Todd. You owe him fucking money, Todd. <laughs> Todd. Freaking Todd. Todd, you smell like cake. Get the fuck out of here. You watched Last Man on Earth? Yeah. It's such a funny name, Todd. Todd. Freaking wait, what Todd. was... But what is... Tandy? Tandy. <laughs> I've known Will as long as I've known Maya. We were all at the, the uh, Groundlings together. He's always been... He's such a nice person. Always been that funny. The one time I met him, he acted like we already knew each other. We just started talking like... Yeah. I Almost to the point where I was like, were we friends? And I was in a coma and I just woke up and I didn't know it. He used to do a really funny sketch at Groundlings where he was... It was just a monologue where he's on stage with a spotlight and he's giving a eulogy for a friend of his who died. And it's the most... <laughs> uh, fucked up eulogy like he's just saying the worst shit like about having threesomes and like shit just shit you would it really inappropriate it was just yeah, yeah. really inappropriate but he's just doing it in this voice and yeah. very calm and he 
Dave wasn't the type of guy that would let a hot fuck or a series of hot fucks get in the way of. <laughs> it's just so fucking funny. He's so funny. Um, did you see him at the Critics' Choice Awards? He had. No. He had shaved. I saw a picture. He had half of you know he has that beard for Last Man on Earth, which is bigger than mine right now. It's massive, and for the Critics' Choice, he shaved half of it. Yeah. Like the left half of his beard and the left half of his head. Amazing. So it looks really cool. I wonder if he still has it like that or if he shaved it off. I bet it has he shaved be it annoying. all off. He, when we were in Groundlings, he did a, uh, I guess it was a two-man show, but it was him and this other guy. Uh, I want to say his name was Mike Schwartz, who's a writer. And they rented out the HBO workspace at the time, which was on Seward. And uh, they didn't do it at the Groundlings. They rented out a space. All these people came. <laughs> and Will and Mike came out. And for half an hour, they just sang, Ain't no party like a West Coast party because a West Coast party <laughs> won't stop. But they didn't do the whole song. That's all they said over and over for yeah, half an hour. That's amazing. And, um, yeah, it was that whole thing where it was really funny. And then it was dead silent where people were like, fuck, this has got to end. And then it became the most funny thing in the world. On a personal note, my mom used to sing me a lullaby every night to sleep. Mm-hmm. But she only knew the first line of it. <laughs> so she would only sing the first line. And it went like this. Now run along home and jump into bed. Say your prayers. Don't cover your head. That's it. That's oh, she wouldn't just loop it and keep saying nope. it? Oh, that's funny. It would funny. just be one line and she was out. <laughs> and you had to fall asleep. But that's a song. Seconds. That's a real song. I don't even know what it is. But that's the. she just knew that part of it. She would sing that. Have you never looked it up to? No, I feel like I need to just leave it as it is. Yeah, that's a good idea. And I, I'm trying to decide, like, do I continue that strange tradition when I have children? I've been scouting out Beatles songs to sing. I think my kids should have a really cool yeah. bedtime song. Sure. Like, there's a there's one that's like, go to sleep. I don't remember how it goes. Uh yeah, or even just a really fun, like, I'm so tired. Yeah. I haven't slept in weeks. I'm fixing a hole where the rain gets Yeah, it. like, hopefully nothing too um, violent. That would be good. There's a lot of good Bowie songs that would work, too. Yeah. Um, I don't want to start getting into death again. <laughs> I'm Sorry. exhausted now. My eyes are, like, totally... I've been told I'm an exhausting guest. No, no. No, I love <laughs> I love talking about this kind of shit. Um, we should talk, though, about Angie Tribeca. Yeah, so it's out now. If you don't have cable, you can get it on iTunes. How amazing was it that you ran... A, did a 25-hour marathon? So nuts. Which was basically the whole season... Five times Five times over. Just looped. Just looped, no commercials. And And then they aired our live telecast as the sort of bumpers in between. So we did it live, and then they just kept airing it. Yeah. So I freestyle rapped as my little thing. Was that really freestyle rapping? Yes. No, that was not. Yeah, I'm mad that some people... I thought for sure you were reading off a prompter. No, and if you... Uh, people who really have followed me know that I that's what I do. I have a show at UCB called Rap Explosion. Yeah. And I've rap battled around this town and in New York for a very long time. But if you watch me do it enough, you and for anyone who sees me do it in the future, 
this is my style. I'm not as good as some people. So what happens is I get a word, I go on a story, a little story journey, <laughs> and then when my brain can't think of anything else to go, anywhere else to go with the story, I start rapping about the fact that I'm rapping. And that, oh, that's if, what I if do. you watch the TBS clip where I did it live, uh, I get, uh, what was it? Balloon, balloon. And I go on a story for a second, and then the rest of it is just me being like, yeah. But they cut out before that. Yeah, and that's the other thing. So what they did was uh, a guy behind a camera, which... Uh, in in that moment, I actually had trouble seeing him. At, we rehearsed it a million times. We did a bunch of different words, which was good for me to just be able to do it in a in a studio like that. It's hard. I usually do it on stage with an audience. It almost feels safer. You can mess up, but I'm like, oh my god, TV, and there's not an audience. It's not the same feeling. So the the worry of messing up is even higher. Mm -hmm. And normally on stage, though, if I mess up. On stage, you really know that I am freestyling because I let myself mess up, and mm -hmm. I'll sometimes if a if I'm coming up on a thing and I can't think of a word that rhymes, I will make up a word that rhymes, and then I will say like that's not a word, you know. So it's very <laughs> <laughs> like, and I just keep going. Yeah. But this little snippet was like 20 seconds or something, and there's a guy behind a camera going like five, four, three, and that's like going out to commercial, and they had asked me to please when you see that hand. Try and loop it in like, you know, Angie Tribeca, you're watching the Bingeathon. Stay tuned. And in rehearsal, I did it beautifully every time. Uh, and I was course. out before we cut. And yeah. then I, in the moment, couldn't wrap it up. So it cuts me off in the middle of it. And I'm like, anyone who watched that, it's amazing to me if you don't, if you didn't think it was freestyle because I didn't, I didn't wrap up the ending. I started just rapping about how I'm rapping. I had one little run. No, but the music got a little bit loud, so you couldn't tell at the end. Like, Oh, okay. You were... And, I mean, you started off so strong, like, so many words rhyming with balloon off the top that I was like, she's got to be reading this. No, thank you. Holy shit. That was really yeah. good. When I get in a groove, I'm great. If I get... Uh, but I, this is what kills me. And I have a lot of other people in the community that, you know, there's a handful of people who do this. And we tend to all perform together. Like Ross Bryant is so good, uh -huh. much better than me. Uh -huh. um, Zach Sherwin. Oh, uh, yeah, he's good. He's so good. Yeah. They are much better than me. And they, I've noticed, also are not afraid to take a little pause. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to just continuously and it's I not don't a run know on how sentence, yeah. mine is. So mine's a run on sentence and it gets me in trouble. So I'll have these little pockets of brilliance and then it's just a disappointment after that. And I if, it, that was really if good. it keeps going, yeah. you'll see when I come in and out of it, I'll start rapping about how I'm rapping and that buys me some time. But I also and I think, think that's about the hilarious next thing. too. Because yeah. I, I rap really badly on my friend's voicemails like i constantly will leave like 10 minute raps that are fucking horrible where i'm like hey there dave it's your good friend steve this here message i'm about to leave i'm rapping rapping really hard right now i'm gonna fucking rap all day on your machine and and then it just becomes like the worst but i won't fucking stop and then there's they'll be like three or four seconds where i'm like oh shit that that actually rhymes that was good yeah. 
Well, there is a skill. There's a craft to it. There are couplets. Mm -hmm. So it's like two little sentences, and that's a couplet. And those two sentences rhyme, and anyone could do that. Mm -hmm. Just doing that repeatedly to the beat, mm -hmm. and you get better at it, maybe. I don't rhyme as structured as that. And DC Pearson has actually said to me in the past that the structure of my rhyming is actually impressive. I don't know what that structure is. I'm not planning it out. And I have a very, I try not to think about it because, you know, Eliza Skinner is also very good at it. And she teaches those classes at UCB. I she didn't know she that. teaches freestyle rap classes. And she'll, she can teach you the trick and the structure. And I've heard, now I know, I was like, I don't want to know. Because I feel uh, I have if a have massive style, fear yeah. that if I start thinking about how to do it or how can I do it or why am I able to do it, I'll ruin it and I'll never be able to do it again. Because for me, and I think for most people, if you start really thinking, you're going to freeze Yes, up. that's when, yeah. So I don't know what I'm going to say. And all I can say is that I personally, my technique, I have to really envision and see what I'm talking about and it has to be a story and if it's not a story I I can't rhyme at all and I have nothing to say so I have to and if you watch me do it enough it's always ridiculous it'll be like you know the story of it'll be like I climbed up in a tree and then I fell out of it and then a bee stung me and then I dug a hole and I buried the bee, but then I felt bad for the bee and what if it's still alive? So I yeah. undug it. Like that's what my rapping is always about. Yeah. Are you taking a picture of me? Eventually. So that, but other people can, I tried to rap recently with Ross Bryant and he we interviewed two people in the audience and we found out things about their life. And then um, we did this thing where then I play the one person and he plays the other person and we rap about them meeting. And I had a really hard time with that because, first of all, I have to remember all the things that that person said, mm -hmm. which oh, is a yeah, little I harder. Like I forgot the girl's name immediately who I had just interviewed. And I had only latched onto a few details that she said that I related to, like about not speaking to her family or something. And that's why it's hard for me to do long form improv where yes. you get it. Someone comes up and like does yes. monologues like at ASCAT because as soon as they're done, I've forgotten fucking everything yeah. they say. So I, in my show, Rap Explosion, we do sort of do that. We get one word suggestions, but just one word. You can go wherever you of want. Course, yeah. And that's what I do. Like, I'll do stand-up and variety shows, and that's what I do as my set. I rap. And I get one word suggestions, and then I do an audience interview. But the one word suggestion is easy. I'm not going to... And I'm actually an idiot, and I'll get three one word suggestions, but I have to write them on my hand because I can't even remember them in yeah. two minutes. And I'll loop them all together. And then... We do interviews and people right wrap off of them. Hand. It's so stupid. So <laughs> I, like, I just can't remember the words. So if I interview someone, I'll only remember pieces of it. And sometimes I've done a really good job of getting a lot of the points. But I usually just latch on to one thing. Yep. And then I still end up on my own tangent. Everyone makes fun of me. I eventually always bring my mom into the rap somehow. I think it's funny that there's just this pretty blonde girl sitting here talking about freestyle rap. But I got so, 
I mean, I guess it's a compliment, but I saw my cousins told me, like, your rap is trending on Facebook. And then they're like, all these people are being like, that's not freestyle. There's no way. And, like, being really aggressive about it. And I was like, first of all, I guess that's a compliment. But second of all, I felt, like, bummed and mad. And also, like, where's the magic in your life? But you know why? You know, I think, you know why? Because... Part of the reason I thought you were reading off a teleprompter was because, you know, they set it up like, you know, Andre here is a freestyle rapper. And, like, it was very a very set up, like, yeah. we're going to get her out here to rap. And earlier you guys had broken out into a dance yeah. that was choreographed. Yes. Cat. And we set Kat it up like, that, right? we don't, well, that is the dance, the song, and she taught it to us. Yeah, the name, but yeah, what is it called? But yeah, we set it up, the whip nay-nay. Whip nay-nay. We set it up like, oh, we don't know how to dance, and then we did it, so I could see that. But also, the setup that they had us do for my rap, I think TV execs do this, but in rehearsal, I was like, Dion, just give me a word. And he kept giving me such fucking difficult words. And I would be like, no, just things that are around. Look, balloons, star, glitter, camera, lights, shoes, shirt, hair. Mm -hmm. Just uh, Mm -hmm. stop trying to be so smart with it. Because he was giving me things that, and if I were better, sure, I could maybe. But the thing is, I was like, if you, so he'd be like, Angie Tribeca. And I'm like, Tribeca. First of all, that doesn't rhyme. And secondly, I would have to like A to C it like cops. And it's not a word. It's two words. Yeah. And it's like, so I would have to be in the world of that word instead of just directly taking that word right away. Yep. So in rehearsals, he was giving me words like Angie Tribeca. And I was like, nope. (laughs) <laughs> and then and then Hayes or I would be like, I would look at something and be like, TV. And then I would do it for rehearsal. And they were like, the execs thought that was so funny. But then we tried to do that again, and I feel like it didn't read as well. And So in the moment, I was like, this is the reality of what happened. I was like, Dion, say whatever you're going to say. Angie Tribeca, I'll say nope. Hayes, you either say... And I, we had, like, a handful of words that he could say. But I didn't know what he was going to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't come up. I mean, it's hard when a moment happens and then the network's like, do that again. So that's what that setup was. So that were you guys also really taking phone calls? Yes. I was talking to people. And it was so... For those who don't know, I, they did an event for the premiere of Angie Tribeca where they did yeah. a marathon of, like, 25 hours. They would loop the the ten, 10 episode season five yeah. times in a row but for the first 10 episodes you guys were actually in a studio doing like a telethon yeah and it was hard to hear the people because the the volume on the phone was really low and then things would be happening around us so i would be like hello mm-hmm. and i was like it was funny because people didn't really know the show yet so i was answering yeah for that's a while, the like, thing i was like dr monica shoals and they were like confused and i was like the blonde medical examiner and they're like oh yeah and a few times i would just pimp out i'd be like you want to talk to rashida and <laughs> gives her could phone. you trans oh you just handed it to and carol burnett called in carol burnett just randomly that was really just randomly her calling in. no the network set that up for sure and but i don't think rashida knew she was going to get that call i think she knew that carol might call in but she didn't know that she would get the call so she was like genuinely. I love Carol Burnett so much, and I love that she was like, "The show is so stupid." And she's like, "I well, mean it that is. in the best way." In the best way, it we is. Were like, oh, it is the goofiest 
show. It is a show that, like you, I don't know if you said it in here or if we were talking about it in there that you guys are just acting straight up dramatically. Yeah. But it is packed with more jokes. Like any time they can get a joke in, whether it's somebody's name, yeah. and the names, are, by the way, are so ingenious, but they're also like. Really old references. Yeah, I don't even know Jay Giles. Jay Giles was a musician. There was a band called the Jay Giles Band, and oh they had a God. song called "My Angel Is a Centerfold." Oh yeah. Na 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 yeah, na I na na. That was the Jay Giles Band. Oh my God. So I heard that. that. I was like, "This show is for people my age. Like, kids aren't going to know what Jay Giles no. is. They're not going to know who Chet Atkins is." No. Well, now that's a. Mistake. I don't know why Chet. His name was originally Chet Atkins, but his name is Pritikin Atkins. Oh, that's weird. Pritikin is another diet. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Oh, the Atkins diet. Yeah, his name is Pritikin Atkins. Is it not Chet Atkins on the show? No. On IMDb, it's Chet Atkins. Oh, see, that's part of the problem. We just had a table read, and Steve Carell was like, "Why does everyone think his name is Chet Atkins? We have to fix that." And I was like, because it was out there, and I guess it's been in the press, too, like Chet Atkins. Yeah. So maybe his name just has to be Chet Atkins now. And you're Dr. Scholl. Everyone that they can lay, lay a fucking crazy name on. Dr. Scholl's are, and sometimes at the table reads, the names, they don't get approved, but it'll be like, I think Fisher-Price made it through. That's one of the Fisher bad Price, guys. Fisher-Price, yep. Um, but we'll have names like, oh, so Heather Graham is on season two. Nice. And she's playing like the ultimate woman who's also the bad guy. Uh-huh. But her name at first was Lee Jeans. <laughs> <laughs> there was also, uh, is it Jillian Vigman? Yeah. Uh, her name was Jean Nate. Yeah. Which is, that is the oldest, like, that was like a, a bath. Uh, yeah. soap or something, yeah. right? Or like a perfume. Yeah, I didn't that even I remember it. commercials when I was that in the 70s like yeah. Jean Nate. Yeah. Like you're I'm watching this going this is so Steve Carell cuz he's about the same age as yeah. me. They're so dumb. DJ Lee, Tanner. Lee Jeans <laughs> was changed to something else Lee pretty Jeans. close. It was uh, what is it? It's not Lee Jeans. So sometimes they don't get Approved for whatever reason. James Franco was Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> He's in season two as well. It, it seems like twenty years ago today. Sergeant Pepper taught us all how to so play. So funny. Anytime they can put in a joke, even visual, and yet I was watching it going, and the first time I like I watched it through the first time, and I I was texting Allie Ward the whole yeah. time. We're going, did you fucking see that? That is bonkers. Yeah. And you miss so much because it's like a joke a second. Yeah, you have to rewind. My and favorite, one of my favorites is when Rashida goes, mumble, mumble. And someone's like, what did you say? And she says, I said mumble, mumble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so much. When I, you know, in the early 80s, there was a show called Police Squad, which yeah. was, uh, you know, like air, they went on to do Naked Gun, those same yeah. people. And um, I was, I, I've always thought, like, why hasn't there been another show like this? Like, yeah. just a fucking barrage of jokes just jackhammered away. Yeah, and just dumb, and it's not cynical, and it's just like And there's no straight and... There's no straight man in any of the episodes. No. Everything someone does is just truth and real, and no yeah. one looks at them like, 
what the fuck did you just say? Yeah. No one's an idiot. Every Everything is valid. But you do have to get prepared and you have to get your brain on board. I love that, sorry to call him out, but when Peter Atencio tweeted like, I don't even, Angie Tribeca is no good. He, I've watched, watched 10 minutes. He watched 10 minutes and he happened to watch a scene that the joke of it was that it's a chase scene, but it's very slow. Yeah. And it's in an airplane. Yeah. And it just is a slow 10 minutes of TV. Yeah. And I'm not saying that all of our jokes are perfect. A lot of them might fall flat, but there are enough to redeem when yeah. it does fall flat. Yeah. So that's also just a really weird moment that he tuned in. Well, I saw that, and then he tweeted later, okay, I'm on Yeah, board. but I love, like, I've never seen ever, or at least in a while, something that, first of all, I'm just so amazed and happy that the comedy community has embraced it because we're all doing things all the time. You can't watch everyone's show. You can't see everyone's movie. And we're all just like, hey, good job. But very rarely do we actually watch. So I was amazed that, first of all, people are watching. Second of all, people like it. Third of all, all people are saying anything. Like, you're tweeting, Allie's tweeting, Cameron... Uh, Esposito and Rhea Butcher are tweeting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? This is amazing. And then when Peter did tweet that, like everyone attacked him and made him go yeah. watch yeah. and made him change his yeah. mind. I don't know if he truly changed his mind or not. It's okay. It's uh, well, it's good. And and TBS just picked it up for a second season before yeah. it even aired, which is nuts. That's really. Is it a so, Kona? Is it a Konico production? No. No. It's um, Carousel, which is Steve's company. Okay. But yeah, created, season two, I thought Rashida had something to do with the creation, but it was Steve and Nancy. Yeah. They were just like around their house. They just try and make each other laugh, and they were just doing a bit. And they're like, first of all, just trying to think of the stupidest name possible. Like, yeah, on the scene, Angie Tribeca. <laughs> and like laying down the law. And then they were just like making each other laugh and riffing like, yeah, they're with detectives Danny Tanner and his and like the dog being a regular partner. And yeah. then Steve was at TBS for a meeting and just like soft pitched it almost as a joke. And they were like, OK, great, let's do it. And he came home and had to be like, uh, honey, we I have to think write a we, show. Now. Yeah. I think we just sold a show. We got to write it. It's so fucking funny. And you get to work with Alfred Molina. So good. He's like a legit, proper, yeah, trained actor. Which is perfect for this genre because you have to just play it seriously. Yeah. And then it's funny. And for me, it's been really interesting just in my comedic career. I'm so grateful to be doing this kind of comedy because I have been... Like, I auditioned for The Office when I first got here, like, I don't know, five years ago. Yeah. And I couldn't Me too. get myself that small. I didn't know how to be that subtle. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to be that dry. I, from a sketch comedy background, everything's so big. Even mm-hmm. if it's small, it's a million times bigger than it should be. Right. So it was a real challenge for me. So, first of all, I'm like, can't believe I even got this role. Thank God. What and, was the audition like? Uh, my first audition... I did have to do much more improv than what was on the page. And thank God for UCB and, like, all that training. Because if I just knew what the joke was. Mm -hmm. And the joke, especially, I mean, in general, and then especially in my scene, is, like, treating the obvious like it's amazing. Was the audition a scene that's actually in one of the shows? Yes, it's in the pilot. But 
I just went on forever. I was doing like experiments it, uh, in the first episode where I'm like, interesting, when I stick this blackmail note under the microscope it gets bigger yeah the font yeah. becomes much bigger when i take it away it's immediately small again so that's an obvious thing yep. that i'm treating uh, like it's amazing yeah. so i just went off on it and i and then i had a call back and steve was there steve and nancy and he was just lobbing me tennis balls like he was like um he was already laughing with me he's like what would happen if you set it on fire and just all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and then I had one of my favorite jokes ever, and I'm so sad we couldn't put it in the pilot. And he was like, he was like, we might have to build you a treehouse. Because I was, so I finished the scene, and I just very seriously was like, all right, if anyone needs me, I'll be in this treehouse. And I turned around and pretended to climb a ladder. That's funny. And we were all just laughing so hard. It's just like in this serious scene, and then you just climb up a treehouse and go away. I love that shit. I love, one of my favorite things in movies or TV show is when someone makes an exit from a scene by running. Yeah, just yeah. Like a business meeting, and then they just turn and fucking... Like in uh, Rushmore, there's a scene where Bill Murray just fucking runs away, and it's not explained. that There's nothing funnier to me than people running. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, but yeah, and then I had a third. I had the test audition, and it was a live test in front of the network execs, uh -huh. which I was nervous about because sure. that's an audience and yep. coming from stage. Then suddenly my performance gets much bigger, so I was just really trying to concentrate on keeping it at the level. Was I, there anyone else there that was auditioning for the same part? Because yes, sometimes they'll put you in the same room. There were two other people, and we were just in the lobby, and I, they're lovely, and they're actually women in comedy who I've looked up to my whole life. Yeah. They're older than me, uh -huh. which also made me think that I wasn't going to get it. Uh-huh. Um, and also very intimidating. Sure. These are like brilliant fucking funny women. Sure. Um, and then in my final test, I did another really dumb joke that I wish we could have used. I should pitch it again. But so I'm doing that thing with the ransom note and I'm saying like, am I do this? This happens when I do this, this happens. And I was like, perhaps most interesting of all, when I hold it up, and I held it up to, there was a window, mm -hmm. and I held it up to the window, and I was like, it blocks my view of the Gelson's parking lot. <laughs> it's just like a very dumb, obvious thing. Like, yes, you hold a piece of paper in front of something, like you can't infant. see what's past it. Yeah, peekaboo. It's just so stupid and funny. And then I went home that night, and I, as we probably, I think if anyone out there is an actor, you probably relate. I, you know, you don't want to get your hopes up. So I had gone into that place of self-loathing and sadness. I'm sure I didn't get it. And I had made some macaroni and cheese. Probably at the time it was vegan mac and cheese. <laughs> um, and I had had a, and I had a glass of wine. I was sitting down. I was like going to watch him. Uh, so you think you can dance? And I was just real sad. I probably oh. had like some chocolate on hand and stuff. And I got a phone call in the middle that of night. eating. Yeah, they wow. called me and they apologized for it. It was probably like five hours later. That's, and they that's really said quick. that they made the decision in the room, but the head of the network wasn't there and they had he had to watch the tape to just agree with everybody. Mm -hmm. Which that's amazing. But so I got that phone call and I was like, Oh, and I had to like switch out of my sadness. I, yeah. That's great. It was so nuts. I've just never gotten anything before. I, It's taken me a really long time, and I, you know, I think it takes everyone a really long time in comedy, and we almost kind of, yeah, we're all 
proud of that. Like, you, it's kind of a thing. Like, well, he really worked. He really it earned takes, his path. I've been 20 years, and it I didn't get anything until probably close to 10 years of just yeah. fucking taking classes and auditioning. It was and, like 10 years, and I waited tables for mm-hmm. way longer than I've yep. worked as an actor. Me too. Which I think is helpful. It's made me not afraid of anybody. Mm-hmm. I was very good at it. I worked in New York in some of the best restaurants, but I was just like, it's just made me, um, I don't know. I, th- I think it's just made me a better person. Truly. Yeah. I work hard. It gave me a great work, e- work ethic. I'm not afraid of anybody. They would have me wait on Frank Bruni when he came in, <laughs> just like <laughs> scary New York Times critic. Yeah. I'd be like, you're just a person. Well, and by the time you do get something, you're much more appreciative of it. Oh, than, like, yeah. If you were. First audition, I booked a, a pilot that ran for ten years. You yeah, didn't you don't really get a yeah, you don't really head. feel as. I just feel so incredibly grateful. Yeah, and and then for it to be this show, I'm just like, man, thank you, universe. I hope it goes for a long time, and I, I'm fairly sure you'll work a lot afterwards because it's a great. I mean, it's a great visual, you know, resume for you. Yeah. And it's also like I've never played a character like this. That's when I went in for it. I just thought I was very wrong for it because I in life, I'm very sunny and animated. And Scholes is a fucking robot and cold and socially awkward. And I was thinking, like, there's no way they're going to see me as this person. I don't even know if I can do this. So I approached it like a sketch. Mm hmm. And I went in with the glasses on, with the hair up. I went in wearing black and white. And that is what she wears now on the show, aside from the scrubs. And I, like, created this character. And the challenge for me in all of this, and if anybody listening does sketch comedy, is, like, it wasn't creating the character. It's then having to keep playing the character for more than a sketch. Well, she's very similar to, I don't know if you ever watch Law & Order SVU. There's... There's a, a DA, an assistant DA, and I think the actress's name is Stephanie Marsh. Um, oh, I don't know. But she's very blonde, but also very cold and calculated. Yeah. And, and uh, which is, yeah, perfect. Because your show is, is, you know, a satire of all these kinds of shows. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I mean, they had a character description. I, I wonder what it was, but it had to have been in that vein. Mm-hmm. And then I just, it's funny to me, though, in my mind, in my head, it, she sounds much lower toned and even more robotic in my head. And then when I watch it on screen, I'm like, oh, it doesn't sound that robotic. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's like how you don't like listening to yourself on an answering machine. It's like you just sound answering different machine. in your head. <laughs> you know, voicemail. Yeah. You just sound different in your head than you do outside. Yeah. It's I'm weird. S- I'm so mad. I I never even knew about the show to audition for it. Well, tell them to. How many more do you have to shoot? Two. You should try and get in. I also know that with shows like that in the comedy community, it's because when we did Sarah Silverman show, we didn't have auditions for no, like the main. No, everyone's so excited to give their friends. And we jobs. would sit around when we'd be taping an episode, and they'd be like, "Yeah, we have to cast this part for next the next episode," and we'd be like. Hey, what about Bob Odenkirk? Yeah. All right. And that that was it. That's how yeah, we cast the show. Yeah, that's what it is, pretty much. Um, Except for smaller parts. Yeah. And when do, when does the second season start? It hasn't been announced, but I think it'll be the fall of this year. Wow. Yeah. It's a wait. Mm-hmm. And and what I watched them all. I TiVo I TiVo DVR'd them all. I've yeah. watched them all. I have them now. But when is when is it actually airing? 
Uh, like episode by episode? Yeah, well, like Monday. what nights? It's Monday nights. At 9. Starts this Monday. PBS. Mm-hmm. Um, two hours. That's oh, not shit. bad. That's really good. I think that might, that's one of my, uh, it's one of my longest. Holy crap. I could go on with the, the meditation stuff and everything forever. I had Duncan yeah. Trussell on. I have uh, to pee. I had Duncan <laughs> Trussell on forever and we talked about, talked about that same stuff. Um, but yeah, Angie Tribeca. Angie Tribeca. TBS, Monday nights. 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Or on iTunes. I can't stress how much people should watch. It's it's my favorite comedy to come around since uh, Kimmy Schmidt, which I love nice. because so it's very funny. unconventional. Also a joke a minute on that yeah. show. And, um, and people can follow you. You're Dre Andre. Is yeah, because your... people call me Dre. So D-R-E-E-A-N-D-R-E-E. That's your Twitter and Instagram? And Instagram. All right. Look her up. I do some weird things on Instagram and Twits. Look her up. Check her out at UCB. And are, I'm doing are you still a doing Reddit. your roast? I'm doing a Reddit AMA. Oh. What's Monday's date? The 25th? Yeah. Yeah. Monday the 25th at 11, 2 p.m. Eastern. Did you like I counted that on my fingers? <laughs> yeah. 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Have you done Eastern. a Reddit AMA no, before? No, I don't. I'm really stressed about the login. I don't know. It's easy. It'll be fun. So people can ask me questions. Yeah, it'll be fun. Well, it's happening get used, day. Get used to it. Okay. Um, <laughs> thanks, Dre. Thanks. And thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Choosing an energy company raises many questions. Who can make my electricity and natural gas work smarter? Where can I find a company that's easy to do business with, who knows the market best and has options to fit my needs? For millions of homes and businesses, there is one answer, Constellation. Decades of market intelligence and proven solutions from a trusted energy leader. Energy made efficient, simple, insightful, and flexible. That's what makes Constellation America's energy choice. Learn more at constellation.com energy.